Hey, Bizzlecasters, Jesse the Bizzle here, and uh, I'm thrilled um, with sadness, um, but also uh, thrilled uh, with uh, pride to release another Bizzlecast classic about the Black Panther movie when it came out. This is with my good buddy Alistair Laith from Australia who had much different experience to me leading up to this and has absolutely great insights for, as I talk about often in my commentary in here, I've spent a lot of time in Africa and formed bonds so much in Africa to the point where, you know, as someone who knew three years ago that this was going to happen and probably blow the world apart, even as a new property... I, I, I feel like I can't be totally objective, um, and Alistair, like pretty much everyone, loved the film, and I asked him if I could re-release the sort of middle section of the podcast where we really get into the movie. Um, keep, so keep in mind, this is a couple weeks, so this is like March of 2018, a couple weeks after Black Panther broke all the records, pretty much, other than a couple Star Wars and Avengers uh, records, it broke all the records, it broke all the important records, um, and it broke all the important... Um, historical records as well um in people's consciousness which we will talk about so i'm gonna give you a little bit of that beautiful wakanda music starring baba mal by ludwig Göransson, and take you right into the podcast with alistair australia's own nova stream lethal live he'll talk about it he's got so much stuff going on so thank you for joining us Again, rest in peace. We love you forever, Chadwick Boseman. And you're an inspiration to end all inspirations. I hope I can be one-tenth of of what you were in your life. So thank you for joining me, guys. Hope you're hanging in there. And uh, here comes the beautiful music. And uh, what should be a pretty entertaining podcast that holds up great two years, two-plus years later. All right, folks, here we go. City
let's just get right into this. And okay. I, I don't know if you remember our Star Wars podcast. And thank you for being back, by the way, Alistair. Thanks for having me. I was trying to think of some like overly complimentary way to introduce you. I was going to say something <laughs> along the lines of like the next voice of the nerd generation in Australia or something like oh, that. God. Yeah, I don't know. The future. The future of nerddom in Australia. Of non cynical so. of non cynical nerddom in Australia. Cause god damn it, I am so sick of I'm just gonna bitch really quick because we talked about Star Wars in our first podcast. We're gonna jump into Black Panther. I'm so sick of everyone who says Last Jedi is not my Star Wars because it's not Star Wars enough. And then people already complaining about the Han Solo movie because it's too Star Wars-y or whatever. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Make up your mind. You. No, no, don't make up your mind. Fuck you. I don't care about your mind. Like it or don't like it. Stop yeah. clogging up my Twitter feed. Stop clogging up fake news. Go fuck yourself. If you can't appreciate and like these movies, great. Go watch Transformers and Fast and Furious. You're welcome to. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah. And have you noticed, by the way, jumping into Black Panther, we'll go in head first. The, uh, the, ant- the Rotten Tomatoes um, Nazis are on the, on the case already. And there's a battle yeah. between people who actually seen the movie and the people who are just voting against it. It's like 77%, which is completely <sighs> even more than Star Wars. And, and, and the antithesis of every single person in and out of the press and regular people I've talked to about Black Panther. I have not talked to a single person that has not at least enjoyed and appreciated the movie. And for them yeah. to be trying to give it the Last Jedi treatment of like a 57%, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, even Rotten Tomatoes is ignoring them and just presenting the critic scores and stuff, basically. It's, it's almost like there should be a credibility system of mm. we're not going to post your score until you post a photo of your receipt from the cinema proving that you actually saw it. Yeah, like and, and we're going to do two to that check stage. Well, and you know what? I I, I don't want to linger on this too long because I want to get into the movie. But yeah. I, I also like how about uh, required two factor authentication, for example. Yeah, yeah, you know, so you for your account. It. I bet it yeah, goes from a seventy six to an eighty seven, eighty eight immediately if that <laughs> happens. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the thing is with The Last Jedi was it was a combination of people specifically sabotaging it and a combination of old, quote unquote, old school Star Wars fans not liking it for various reasons. With with Black Panther, it's clearly just sabotage and they announced their intentions yeah. for this to be yeah. sabotage. Which I think, which I'm sure we'll get into soon, but is just such a disservice to this movie. So, it, okay, this movie. I, I, I have two things I want to start off with, Alistair, and then honestly, okay, okay. I know I say this, but I honestly just want to hear your opinion. And the second <laughs> okay. of my two opening points will tell you why I care a lot more about your opinion than mine at this particular moment. I mean, oh, I always will, but specifically about this movie right now. The first thing I want to okay. say is, we, t- we joked about burying the lead in the last podcast, and the lead I don't want to bring up right now is about Disney. Yeah. And I know you like to give Disney a hard time, but I know you also like some stuff about Disney. And a question yeah. I want to leave open for the end is, 
let's not frame this as, oh, Disney was the company with the balls to do this. Let's frame this maybe as, is Disney the only major company that could have pulled this off right now? Um, and we, w- that will be like a sort of a big picture meta thing for the end. So that's the first point. Second point is, uh-huh. I know we've just gotten to know each other over the last few months or so, um, both directly and through Brit and everything else. But I lived, I, I spent half of my, over half of my junior, uh, my third year in university living with families in Africa, in Botswana and Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. I, I spent five months okay. living there. My sister, through me, my whole family came to visit, met all the families I lived with, fell in love with the continent. My sister and mom ended up spending time living and doing volunteer work. My sister for a year and a half, actually, even more than me in South Africa, um, because of my experience and their experiences. My entire music company uh, is based on African music, young, uh, up-and-coming African music stars. I've been to the continent three, four, five times. I've been to 10 to 12 countries. I've worked with musicians literally from the whole continent. I also started this podcast three years ago, almost to the day, because of the Black Panther announcement. And because oh. when you see, if nothing else, when you see Age of Ultron and you see Andy Serkis and them talking about Wakanda, they confirmed how big of a part Black Panther was going to play in the MCU. Me going back, exploring it, me knowing Ryan Coogler from Fruitvale Station and Creed, two of my absolute favorite movies of the last few years, like really favorite movies. Me loving Michael B. Jordan, loving Chadwick Boseman, loving Lupita Nyong'o, loving Angela Bassett, loving Forrest Whitaker, knowing these other actors were fantastic. So I was coming into this with, it wasn't just expectations, it was just knowledge of everything going in and around the movie. And I was able to just let myself go in this case because I sat in an audience that was much more diverse than a normal suburban audience because it's Black Panther. There people were showing up in their African gear, but there were still a lot of white people, and I was able to just totally enjoy it. But I have absolutely zero perspective on it because of my connection with Africa. So I don't know if this resonated as an African movie, if it reeked too strongly of black power, if it represented you know white people and black people and so forth in the right way. I just I don't have any perspective because for me this rang totally true, but this comes from the 32-year-old Ryan Coogler from fucking Oaktown, Oakland, California, and he came from the projects of the projects. Like what we saw at the beginning of this movie was not as bad as what he grew up with in Oakland um, and so I just don't have perspective so you as a film lover as someone who has an up and down relationship with Marvel and Disney but was excited about this movie and I know loved this film I'm just going to open the floor to you I, I want to know all your thoughts about the okay. Black Panther well I have a little bit of history with the character so I've read the comics since I was about seven, eight years old. Um, we also got the cartoon series of Black Panther on the ABC channel, which is like um, your, um, oh my God, what's that NP, you know, the like government funded. NPR. NPR. Yeah, it's our version of NPR. PBS so we, is the TV version. PBS, yeah. that's it. Yeah, uh, they so aired we, it on BET, which is the Black Persons Network in this country, which shows you uh, how segregated things are. Go ahead. Wow. 
Well, we got the Black Panther cartoons on the ABC, and I always taped them, watched them on repeat, and kind of have followed the character as one of my favorites in the in, in the Marvel comics verse. And leading up to the movie, I total honest, total honesty. Uh, got the feeling of the whole you're white, you shouldn't be seeing this movie, this is not for you, which kind of offended me because I'm like, oh, I've known about this character since I was eight. Where'd you get that feeling from? I've loved this character before I knew what race was. Before I I don't want to stop your train of thought, but where'd you get that? feeling from because that's not happening in this country and i would have thought it would well, be that's where i here. got it from okay it's all over twitter it's all over i mean a couple of mm-hmm. movie groups that are based in america on facebook and a lot of people there are like why would you see okay. this movie it's not a social media like, which is guilty of crimes mm-hmm. against humanity it, okay it, yeah it, 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 this movie is for me i've loved this character for 20 years Mm-hmm. This is my movie. I was so angry when Spider-Man Homecoming was put in Black Panther's original slot and I had to wait another eight months to see it for another freaking Spider-Man reboot. I was furious. furious. Which I still haven't seen, by the way. I still haven't watched oh, it. You know, if it's on, if you're flicking through TV and it comes on, sure. Do you know but why I would watch it? Either. One reason. Tom Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Oh, love, well. Love Marissa Tomei. She cracks me up. She is good in it. And her and Robert Downey have a really good chemistry. So it's worth it for that. But, but can I just point out really quickly that the same bizarre yeah. cushion of media uh, exposure that both keeps you guys insulated from our bullshit, but it goes both the ways. <laughs> Yeah. Kept you guys insulated from the Last Jedi nonsense because literally, not just yeah. you and Brit, but everybody I talk to in Australia that I know, or people who know people in Australia, love the Last Jedi, and there was no such controversy as there was in this country anywhere no, else in the world. Yeah. Um, was is the same, but the negative side of that is that you get the people who are trying to frame Black Panther because it's called Black Panther and because it's what it seems to be about as an anti-white thing. And it is mm. so not. It's not even, it, it's not even that. It's not anything like that at all. I don't know much about African culture. I know nothing about African music. I know nothing about African fashion, nothing about traditional headdress, nothing, nothing. And this movie had me, I grinned from ear to ear 99% of the movie. I was smiling I was the so, whole time. I was I smiling was, the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I was so excited yeah. to go to a place that I've never seen before mm-hmm. and have it not be my culture. Because I felt like, it, even though it's a fictional place, I get it, but I still feel like I was learning things. And I loved the approach of this is an African continent, this is an African region that's not colonized, that are more advanced in technology, mm-hmm. amazing warriors, beautiful people, mm-hmm. 
Which, by the way, and really I, quickly, I lived in Botswana, was the only mm-hmm. major African country not colonized during the entire mm-hmm. period because it was a dusty shit hole. They didn't realize there were diamonds right underneath their feet. And you know what the mm-hmm. Botswana government did when the British left and they suddenly discovered diamonds? Well, most people would say, yeah, they oppressed their people and used the diamonds to start wars. Nope. They started Africa's first functional democracy and have used diamond wealth to fund the entire population, not only with food, but because they have such an HIV population, they guarantee lifetime supply of antiretroviral medication for HIV for anybody in Botswana. Well. With the money they get from See, diamonds, and and, and, and it's not that. a coincidence. Really quickly, that Wakanda is somewhat near Botswana on the map. There's a lot mm. of similarities there. So yeah, go ahead. Because I'm only just saying this because some people say, "Oh, this is a total fantasy," and I'm like, "Well, it's a fantasy mm. because African countries are poor and tend not to have power." But and I can also tell you, as someone who literally made a living on African music and dance and culture and it lived it for so long, there was nothing mm. cultural in the movie that was not based on something that I had experienced before or had experience with. Wow. But yeah, like I walked out of this movie going, if white men in the past had not invaded and colonized Africa, would this be the result? Would this be where they would be at? Would they be on the same level of wealth and economy and like just facilities, medical, like we are, would this be the result? And that is probably the biggest thing that I took away from this movie is that this was people of colour in positions of power coming to terms with we need to reach the outside world, we need to do something, we have to intervene. And it's... It was so beautifully told. I mean, the world supply of rubber, as well as coltan, which powers our cell phones and the most high-tech devices, all comes from the Congo. And the Congo Mm. has been raped worse than any place on the planet, really raped for hundreds of years now. And that's why this the Wakanda is basically uh, geographically in the Congo where they place it. Yeah. I mean, that's the country they're basing it on. And uh, you know, for you guys out there, read King Leopold's Ghost about the firsthand account of the way the Belgians raped Central Africa in the 1800s and the early 1900s. A nonfiction book, King Leopold's Ghost. It is yeah. so shocking and. By the way, there were two main white people in this movie, and they were very specifically cast, but they were also very specifically portrayed about what the yeah. white people they were going to be. And they are exactly modern, version, inverted versions of the Heart of Darkness. And if you guys haven't read Joseph Conrad's classic Heart of Darkness about going into Africa during the colonial period in the late 1800s, 
of which Apocalypse Now is a, a Vietnamese retelling, essentially, of The Heart of Darkness. Admiral Kurtz, uh, played by Marlon Brando, is the Andy Circus character. He's the guy that has claimed to go native, but is really just raping and exploiting the continent as much as possible. And the narrator of Heart of Darkness uh, is Martin Freeman's character, who's experiencing what should be horror, but this movie flips completely on its head. I didn't expect Martin Freeman to be in it for that long. I thought he would just be an appearance Mm. um, to kind of keep his standing as the new Agent Coulson in the MCU, and that was going to be it. So I was very surprised that he was taken back to Wakanda and then became part of a major part of the story, really. And I kind of felt like he was... (sighs) It's just so, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but he was like representing, like for me, he was like me in the movie. Can I, can I make a Star Trek comparison? Yeah, go for it. He felt like when the Enterprise or Picard or whoever felt like they had to get involved in some place they shouldn't be involved with according to the stupid Prime Directive of a less advanced uh, planet and they would have to beam somebody aboard from this alien planet who had never been exposed to other aliens and was experiencing Mm. things for the first time. That is who Martin Freeman was in this movie. And his great speech from the trailer was not in the film. And I'm constantly telling people to stop bitching when stuff from trailers are not in film. You should be happy about that, that they're not giving away information. (laughs) We're getting more stuff. But his whole speech about, you know, I have seen aliens, I've seen things fall from the sky, I have seen this and that, but I've never seen anything like Wakanda, as he says in the trailer. And you see that very sly look from Chadwick Boseman was the perfect setup, but you get that through his experience, right? You don't need him to say it again here. No. I completely forgot that that was in the trailer. Completely forgot. Yep. And I didn't miss it. Right, because he experienced it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I mean, people went crazy with Rogue One because in the trailer for Rogue One, Jin Erso is running at the end, limping with her blaster directly at a TIE fighter, which pops up out of nowhere. And it's not in the movie. I'm like, guys. They're just trying to get you excited. Like, yeah. And this is and symbolic of the entire film is Jim Urso, Jim Urso fighting a TIE fighter with a blaster. Like, don't you understand the symbolism of all this? Like, yeah. I don't think people realize, man, Alistair, and, and I would love to throw this t- to you as another media professional, how much goes into the trailers of good blockbuster films and how they're trying to convey thoughts and feelings and emotions and impressions without giving away everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And trailers lately do, well, I think we're away from it now, but a lot of trailers in the last two to three years have given away too much. And audiences get to the movie and go, I feel like I've already seen this 
because there's been five trailers, two teasers, and why am I here? Can I be honest? And I want to I want to start yeah, tying yeah. this loop in because I think these two movies, the sec- other movie being Wonder Woman. Let me just say it. Yeah. Yeah. as being game changers and it's not just because it's yeah. a woman and a black person no, let's be honest the women of Wakanda are really what blew people away and I'm sure we're going to get to that his sister yeah. and his bodyguards and I, I say bodyguards in quotes because they're basically other siblings essentially um, are so important but yeah. the, the final Wonder Woman trailer with the remixed Imagine Dragons warrior song was is the is still I, I can still watch that trailer and I've seen the movie a million times oh. gives me chills and you know what if I had seen the movie and then then watched that trailer I would have thought it was a very spoily trailer but I was pumped up and this is on film my Batman v Superman uh, retrospective was like three and a half hours with my buddy Matt Goisman, who's been like the main Bizzle yeah. co-contributor and is a huge DC head. And we hated that movie. Like, horrible. What? Really? Um, yes. Most people in my country hated that movie. Wow. You should know. That was not, that's not, I, it's not considered a good movie in this country. Not that you shouldn't like it or anyone shouldn't like it. I'm happy for people to like it. I'm just telling you. In general, it was not received well critically uh, from fans or critics here. But yeah, anyway, the point is, yeah. there were great things in it. <laughs> there were great things yeah. in it. And I love the cast of that movie. And I said, and you can listen, early 2016, we specifically say we don't know who this Gal Gadot person is, but we think she's going to be amazing. <laughs> I say it. I say yeah. it on the fucking podcast. I say she's going to be a yeah. star. And now, given I'm Jewish, I lived in Israel, I have Israeli family, I know what Israeli women are like, I, t- I, I got the warrior vibe from her, I understood it. So I have a little bit of an advantage there with my my gestradamus, as I call it. But I, I, I really was like, okay, she's going to be a superstar if they do the one. And this was before Patty Jenkins was like confirmed or whatever. On but board, yeah. if I did not see that Imagine Dragons mm. trailer a few weeks before I went on my European uh, vacation with my dad, and the movie came out, and, and I was like talking with Brit, we didn't on a podcast yet. I must have watched that trailer dozens of times on my phone while I was away. I was so amped wow. and so inspired I by it. I seen this trailer. And it's like, we are the warriors that built this town. It was no, the first I, and only one they I, did that was that showed the origin story. It was mostly like yeah. impressionistic before then, but there we saw young Diana. We saw a little bit of the battle on the beach. We saw her grow up. We saw her go to the war. You know, we saw her go up in the trench, but without like the full trench scene. You know what I mean? And the no man's uh, land scene or whatever. Like they were teasing all this great stuff. Yeah, I don't. I watch the first trailer and then I don't watch anything after that because of yeah. the trend of they show too much and I like and I I think the last movie that killed it for me was Suicide Squad mm. I felt like I'd seen the whole movie in all of the trailers and I just went you know what from now on I watched the first trailer and that is it if it if it's a comic book movie that I know I'm going to see anyway and to tie back in, that's what I did with Black Panther. I only saw the first trailer. 
So, so this I, is the perfect place to tie back in, which is yeah. people thought the Black Panther trailers felt spoilery at the time before anyone had seen the okay. movie. But I am a big believer. This didn't really come up in our Star Wars conversation, but it did come up in other Last Jedi, Last Jedi conversations I had because it was a, a, it's more than apparent that they psyched us out with The Last Jedi by actually telling us what was going to happen and then us knowing that we were going to overthink everything. And then, you know, like Ray and Kylo coming together to take down Snoke. Like they basically telegraphed all of that in the trailers. But they, so they basically misled us by not misleading us. You know what I mean? But I'm someone who, like, the actual plot twists in these movies are not the most important thing to me. It's the characters and the writing and the worlds and the narratives and the costumes and the effects and the interactions. Like, those are the important things because I'm someone when I love a movie rewatches movies many times and so yeah, plot twist is only cool the first time you see it literally right I mean, <laughs> and then after that it's like yeah. I mean would you agree but let me just let me throw this to you and then I think you know where I'm going with this and you can pull this into Black Panther but don't you feel like okay. movie watchers are divided into people who will only see a movie once and want plot twist versus people who watch movies looking for movies that they love to see many times and find so many things going on in them? Does that make sense? Like the one yeah, movie definitely. watchers versus the like m- people who want to rewatch it over and like the, you know, the great horror movies <laughs> of the eighties and nineties and ghostbusters uh, and star Wars and so forth. Yeah. I think I had a experience with this, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, when I first started dating my fiance was I think I saw I can't even remember what movie it was now. But I saw it twice at the movies, and she went, "How can you watch a movie twice? Yeah, how how can you watch a movie twice?" And I'm like, "Because the first time you watch something, the main thing that you remember should be the story. Um, so the plot points, everything that happened, the journey, that's what you get the first time through. And did I like it? Yes or no? And then the second time." you pick up on subtle things in the story that you missed the first time. And then the third time, you notice things like costumes, score, cinematography, like Easter eggs, like all of this stuff just keeps coming at you with the rewatch. And she's like, I, I don't get that. Like, I can never watch a movie more than once. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't get that, but cool. <laughs> so I get it. But yeah, I'm definitely a rewatcher, and I'm going to see Black Panther again next week. For so, that were you like reason. me when you were watching this movie, uh, in the sense of like, I'm not even going to try and process everything going on right now because I'm going to see yeah. this again at least once or twice more, if not more. And yeah. So, and so, I'm just going to kind of go. Like you know, go uh, what's the prone or whatever? You know, I'm just gonna just like lower my jaw and open my eyes and just experience yeah. it and not try and think too much about it. And it worked really great for yeah. me. And just let it take me on the journey it wants to, and then I'll come back and yeah, explore more later. And just to give you some perspective, mm. I have not enjoyed the last few mcu movies me neither the last one i which i said last, in our last, last podcast one, yeah i really liked was ant-man and then since then <sighs> it's just been a trail of 
Eh. And this film got me excited for the MCU again. I had that Captain America Winter Soldier moment where I was like, I freaking love this franchise. Like, I love this universe. And I haven't had that for a couple of years because I've just had Marvel cookie-cutter movies. And Kugler just took that formula and smashed it out the window and delivered an outstanding film that I've been raving about since Wednesday (laughs) to anyone that will listen. Okay. Let's jump straight in. All right. You saw Captain America Civil War. I did. I think, well, tell me if I'm wrong. I think we can agree that Captain America Civil War would probably be rated higher by both of us if it hadn't come in, uh, come down as essentially Avengers 2.5 with all the hype around it and so forth. Because the Bucky and Cap stuff and the Black Panther and Scarlett Johansson stuff was great in that movie. But because everything was around the airport battle with Robert Downey Jr. and Mm Spider-Man, it became kind of a circus but if they yeah. had focused on the first half of that movie, which felt like the Winter Soldier, but even darker, I, 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 I think actually for me, Civil War is definitely the best Marvel movie since Avengers Two, and definitely if if not then, then Guardians of the Galaxy in late 2014. It's just the, the yeah. hype was so high, and people, whether you like Batman v Superman or not it harmed the watching of Civil War. Because if you like Batman v Superman, you're going, well, Civil War is a less serious version of this same story. And if you hated Batman v Superman, you're going, oh, I can't believe we have to see the Marvel uh, superheroes fight each other three months after we saw, right? After the DC uh, superheroes fought each other? You know what I mean? So it's like, whether what you thought of Batman v Superman, Civil War was, was made less <laughs> because of it. But there's no doubt out that Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa was a huge, oh. I thought, standout. At the time, yeah. again, man, yeah. I was expectant and following and predicting and everything of the Black Panther movie, but even uh, despite that, I was like, Chadwick Boseman stole large portions of that movie for me. Yeah. He stole a lot of things from me in that movie. He stole my heart. I'm like, just, I love him so much. And I've been watching a lot of press lately that he's been doing. Mm. And he is a beautiful, beautiful man. Oh. He um, did this, sorry to sidebar, but he did this interview oh, like um, last couple of days and Lupita was next to him. And I'm so sorry, I can't remember her name, but the other warrior, main warrior was on the yes. other side of him. Yes. And he was talking about these two kids that had cancer and were contacting their parents, were contacting him during the filming of the movie. And they were like, come on, you need to hurry up because our kids are holding out. They don't want to die before they see this movie. And he basically said that was my motivation every day was train harder, learn those lines, nail it first time so these kids can see this movie Mm. and 
they saw the movie and they died a couple of days later and he had a complete emotional breakdown talking about them. And he has very, he's not like Robert Downey or um, Benedict Cumberbatch or he's not Mr. Charisma, charming, talker, smooth person. He's very charming, but he's he, not a big talker. He is, yeah. but he, he walks in and you just automatically want to hear what he has to say. And he doesn't have to put on a show. He's just himself. And I'm not, I'm not putting any of those other actors down. I'm just saying it's a very different kind of personality. And I feel like this worked perfectly for King T'Challa in this film. There's no, like, he still has a sense of humor. Um, his family has a very great sense of humor. Um, the whole don't freeze thing was mm. great. And it wasn't typical over the top Marvel. Deny Gurira is the name of, of the, uh, the lead, um, Dermalaji bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Incredible, incredible actress. That performance was outstanding. So you, I'm sure you know this, but even you, and this is why you're the king of Australian nerd media, um, is that you know these things. Uh, but a lot of my American audience might not know that before okay. this, Chadwick Boseman has already played arguably three of the most important five or six most important uh, African American figures of the last 60 or 70 years. Jackie Robinson, the man mm. who broke the racial barrier in baseball and sports in general. Um, James Brown, the godfather of soul and oh, the king of fun. Yeah. Um, and most recently, the first African-American justice of the Supreme Court and a man who had fought for black civil rights for decades before that happened, Thurgood Marshall, where this movie was so good that it, they almost got an Academy Award performance from Josh Gad in that movie. That's how good the movie was. Like, it, it was ridiculously, ridiculously good biopic about Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. And, I mean, we're, we're, I mean we, we, we've named all the stars, but we also have Sterling Brown, right? Um, not Sterling Brown. Um, fucking, uh, that, that was Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, Sterling Brown plays okay so sterling brown plays the real life african-american who was accused of rape of which the entire marshall movie was about he was wrongly accused of rape because it was a consensual sexual relationship but because it was an it was a white woman who was being abused by her husband in the 30s she felt like it was she was forced to accuse him of rape and so another story of good people doing bad things, but not everyone being as bad as it seems. And man, Sterling Brown was in this too. Speaking of good people doing bad things, I mean, I thought they absolutely nailed in this movie that you can always be rooting for the good guys 
and yet not always know who you're rooting for at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I don't know if you want to lead this into to Michael B. Jordan conversation. Yeah, I was just going to say, Michael B. Jordan, who now, unfortunately, is in one of the worst Marvel movies and one of the best. So, sorry, man, but Fantastic no, that's so, that's Sony. Horrible. That's Sony. That doesn't count. Um, that, but that doesn't count. still, it's still Marvel. Um, yeah, well, Kate Mara is in that as well, and so is what's his, Miles yeah, Teller, like, and they're all doing great in their career. So fuck Sony. Ah, <laughs> uh, Fox. It was Fox, right? Or I'm sorry, Fox, 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 Fox. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Disney's buying um, and gonna make? Yeah, go ahead. Well, if it goes ahead, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. But that's a whole another. Um, he his performance was outstanding particular the performance with no shirt was um, definitely I saw it with a group of gay men who clapped and cheered in that um, challenge scene as soon as that shirt came off congratulations Um, (laughs) but just his acting in just making this character yeah Relatable, and there I don't some good think man I've ever. This one. Yeah, I've never sided with a Marvel villain and understood their perspective until this movie. And when he walks into that throne room, and you can kind of understand why he's like this and why he wants to do this. And that's never happened to me in a Marvel movie before. Even when Chadwick Boseman goes into the um, afterlife with his ancestors and says to his dad, why did you leave him? Why would you leave him? Why would you do that? Look what you've now created. It's so just so powerful. And I, I've never had that with a Marvel movie before, apart from Winter Soldier. Okay, should, I'm going to start uh, phrasing yeah. my opinions as questions here. Yeah, have you seen this in any comic book movie before? A a villain as subtle, a a villain who you don't even almost want to call a villain, instead an antagonist like Michael B. Jordan's character, Eric Kilmonger. Have we seen this in any comic book property before? Forget about Marvel. And I want to go forward talking about, about Black Panther. Is as free of Marvel as possible because, dude, say what you will about Kevin Feige, but he let Ryan fucking Coogler, 32 year old from Oakland, (laughs) California, do whatever the fuck he wanted in this movie, including letting Black Panther's sister give him the finger like 10 minutes into the film, (laughs) which was fantastic. (laughs) Shory, Letitia Wright, people, if you didn't Uh, think this woman is going to be a star, Letitia Wright as Shuri, who, by the way, in the comics, as you know, becomes the Black Panther for an extended period um, of time. She is going to be a huge star. They let Ryan Googler do whatever he wanted, and even though at the very, very, very end of both post-credits, there was a little bit of text that says like see Black Panther in Avengers Infinity mm. War. They were selling Infinity War through Black Panther. Like that's, yeah. how, that's how excited and I, confident they are about this property. They were like, yeah, you want to see more of him? See Infinity War. It wasn't like, oh, okay, you're not sure about this guy. Well, wait till Avengers and he's really going to. No, 
he everything is going through Black Panther and Wakanda. And I said this on my fucking podcast, and you know this, dude, because you've been working in media for a while, okay? But I said this on my podcast three fucking years ago. I said it's going to go through Wakanda. It's clearly going through Black Panther. If you see Avengers Age of Ultron, you can tell that that's the case, and it makes the yeah. most sense because it's the most interesting property that they're working with. It's the most diverse mm-hmm. property that they're working with. But back to Eric Killmonger before I keep going on. Yeah. But I think we can agree really quickly that Ryan Coogler as director writer was able to do what he mostly wanted in this movie. Right. It seems yeah, like he had definitely. quite a bit of freedom. Patty Jenkins in Wonder Woman also ended up with a decent amount of freedom, but she, I think had to fight more for some mm. of it, at least according to press accounts in the end. Well, I think she got yeah. the movie she wanted and that's the important thing. Go ahead. Yeah, apparently she had to fight to keep the no man's land scene in the film. Yes. Which was one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic scene in the film. What kind of idiot uh, would want best, to get rid of that? That like I, I I don't know what is a better comic book movie mm. scene ever, especially in an origin story. I I yeah. I, 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 I struggle to think of like, if I have five minutes left of my life and I can only watch five minutes of any comic book movie, I don't know what I, I, I would choose that in two seconds. Yeah, and Black Panther didn't have that moment, and that is totally fine because. Yeah, it what, did, I don't think it, yeah. I think the whole movie was almost that moment. Um, there was just. Oh, if I start, I'm not going to stop praising. But, but let's it, let's do let's do a quick comparison here. So uh, I think it's it's clear the three greatest comic book movies in terms of like the main new comic book movies of the last 15, 20 years are Joker, mm-hmm. Loki, and now Eric Killmonger. Right? I think. Yeah. Those are the three. I think Killmonger is more interesting than Loki. We've had a lot more time with Loki. Tom Hiddleston is a brilliant actor, but I still love the first Thor movie the best. And Loki in the first Thor movie is so brilliant. Mm. And so that that would be the main comparison. But I think it's Mm. interesting that the two Marvel ones that are competing, at least in my mind with Loki and Killmonger, are antagonists more than villains who you kind of understand because they come from royal blood in both cases and they were both fucked over by self-righteous kings who are full of shit Mm. right who were hypocrites whereas the joker Mm. specifically the joker in the nolan trilogy is outside all history and reason He's specifically mm. a force of anarchy and destruction and nihilism. Yeah. And that makes them interesting for totally different reasons. And my mm. question to you, man, because I'd love to do some comparative stuff, is because, by the way, I've already put post uh, retroactively the uh, spoiler warning on the front of this podcast before we okay, even started cool. talking. So okay. people have seen this movie. Is. <laughs> I don't want DC to just get known for nihilistic villains. You know, Mm. I I would love for DC to get some of these kind of villains because I've said before, even though I grew up a Marvel guy, DC has the best solo characters. The top five solo characters in DC history are much better 
uh, or at least more powerful, more fully realized than the top five solo characters in Marvel historically. I mean, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman are ahead of all of them. And I think Superman dealing with a you know, morally ambiguous character is more interesting than Superman dealing with an alien or a psychotic alien or a genocidal alien or Jesse Eisenberg, for example. (laughs) Yeah. I like to tie it back. Like I really, a big part of the movie uh, Black Panther that I enjoyed is that it wasn't a end of the world hole in the sky scenario. It was, like much, much more layered mm. and complicated than that. And I think that's mm. why I enjoyed a lot of the, like I know we're getting the hole in the sky, poorly CGI'd Thanos for Infinity War. Well, I'm we'll see. We'll see. The newer trailer of Thanos, he looks better. As I've said to Brett, He's not that much better rendered than Steppenwolf. It's just that it's a more appealing design and texture, I think. Um, I think they're still working on it. But I also, again, as I've said in in my podcast with Brittany, the criticism of Justice League CGI was unwarranted, in my opinion, compared to other things. Especially Steppenwolf. I didn't think he was that bad. No, and the bugs looked awesome. They looked way better than the Chitauri in the first Avengers movie. Um, So, okay, why don't we do a little in the tradition of Africa, which I do feel Mm -hmm. confident I can speak on behalf of because it has been a huge part of my life for literally the last 15 years. And when I had this realization, dog, that it was been 15 years since I first went to Africa, I was like, oh my God, I feel like an old dude. But it also, it's it's a kind of warm, fuzzy feeling at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, Which is, so you said you went in with a little trepidation of the movie because you weren't sure if if it was like anti-white or just that was the way people were portraying it or blah, blah, blah. So what was your uh, what was your sort of bio? Oh, it, it, whatever, it, don't even worry about that. But like, yeah, yeah. I, trust me, it's called Black Panther. The Black Panthers are not a yeah. beloved group politically in this country, even by liberals, and that is why yeah. it starts in Oakland with machine guns because Ryan Coogler is specifically setting you up mentally to think they're Black Panthers of like the real world version, and then it turns out they're way, way, way more. But what was your buy-in period? What was your buy-in? moment to this movie we talked about this with Last Jedi too but with Black Panther like what was your buy-in moment where you're watching it and you're Um, going this is such a different world and these people are so different from me and yet I feel really connected to what's going on right now probably when the first time that you see T'Challa in the ship so when the movie first started and they're in the US and they were going through the shooting thing. I was like, oh, great. It is going to be this kind of movie. So automatically my brain was like, oh, great. They've stuffed it up. Thanks, guys. And then as that was like five minutes, if that, and then bang, we're on T'Challa's ship going to stop a, like going to help out with, a sex slave 
kidnapping yeah. ring, like, yeah. and you see the dog, like the soldiers, you know, shine their lights on the dog, the dog's barking up at the tree, they move their lights up, and you see Black Panther in the tree, I'm in. 100% in. And then the movie goes straight to Wakanda. They don't linger in the U.S., straight to Wakanda, and I was totally in from that second for the rest of the film. It didn't pull me out of it. So the choice to have it kind of poorly lit in that early scene during the fight is clearly a tribute to you-know-who, hand-to-hand in the dark comic book battle. Come on. Really? Your boy. Definitely a Batman Really? Thing. Definitely a Batman thing. Ooh, Hell Really? Yeah. Ryan Coogler okay. for sure grew up reading Batman, didn't know shit about Black Panther when he got the job, other than the name, even though he grew up in Oakland, which is the home of the Black Panther movement, uh, is Oakland, California. He grew up a Batman guy. That was definitely a Batman moment of sometimes bad guys getting beaten up with the sounds in the background is cooler than actually seeing it, especially in the Actually, now I think about it, yeah, that would... Looking back on it, yeah, definitely, I think that's a fair assessment. But at the time, that's not what I thought of. But even more than that, what is one of the biggest criticisms that people have of the way black people are portrayed on film in Hollywood. It's how they're lit. People don't know how to light black people on film. They really have trouble with it, especially people with extremely dark skin. And by the way, Mm. can we quickly point out? Yes. Everyone in this movie was beautiful. I think we can agree that that's the case, (laughs) but they were of very dark layers of darkness. Yeah. And most of the main characters were very, very dark skinned. And yet it never stuck out because Ryan Coogler, being a black dude from Oakland who's 32, knows what he's doing. But that has been a criticism that Ava DuVernay, among others, have leveled against Hollywood. Is you're not only are you giving us just token black characters in movies where there's one black person and so all black people are the same by implication, but you don't even know how to light them properly, and so they seem mm. overly black, quote unquote, in a stereotypical way. It's just a bad situation. I want to point out that the Wrinkle in Time, directed by Ava DuVernay for Disney, starring a black f- young female character with a black director, is uh, and your girl Mindy Kaling is coming out. Out in a couple of weeks as well and I'm going to put so this on excited. the fire as uh, feed the fire as to why I, I, you are going to be forced to love Disney one of these days and there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it um, but that being said that being said that being said did they did he have trouble lighting the white people when there were white people no so no. if black directors can light white people why can't white directors light black people Right? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, 100%. And there was never in, even though, as you said, there were definitely like varying degrees of skin color, there was never a poorly lit moment in this movie. I think I only had one complaint yeah. with 
one shot mm. and it had nothing to do with skin color, just some shoddy CGI. Okay. So there was a <laughs> that ton of CGI scene in this was movie. Idiots. Yeah. Wait, which which one? So uh, when T'Challa is being um, crowned and they pull out, the camera pans out in that waterfall scene and everyone's standing up around celebrating, it looked horrible. Interesting. I thought the complaint and was going to be about the final Panther versus Panther battle. No, I enjoyed that. I thought it was well, like I didn't see issues with that. I've read that other people did, but I couldn't see any issue with it. But at that point, I think it was darting a lot between the battle happening outside and that battle. So I think because the battle outside was so visually amazing, I was like still that I didn't really notice. I've been really trying to if figure out. Sense. No, that makes total sense. I've been trying to figure out what the um, production budget is. I mean, dude, you're you're talking to the guy who loves Matrix Reloaded and loves the Neo versus a Thousand Smiths battle, and people say, "Oh, looking back, like you can tell it's like CGI." Uh, Keanu Reeves. I was like, dude, at the time I could tell it was CGI Keanu Reeves, but it's the fucking Matrix and there was no way to do that otherwise. So like, make it look fucking cool and I will fucking like it. And that's why I love the final Black Panther battle and why I don't care about this stuff. If it looks cool and not too robotic, now if that looked very robotic to you and didn't even look like people, then that I could understand. But at Mm. this point... If you've seen a lot of movies and don't know what's CGI and what's not, like you're just not educated, <laughs> and so you have yeah. to d- decide what's gonna, you know, impress you and what's gonna entertain you and what's not. Um, but I did make that comment in my YouTube video um, about, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of CGI in this movie. Yeah, and that that's okay. It's a, it's not a real place. Like it, it needs CGI, like. It's, you know, any comic book property doesn't exist in the real world. Like, it, it needs CGI. So it's just something that you have to deal with before going to see these movies. Mm. So the only thing that I felt was really bad was the waterfall mm-hmm. because it looked so beautiful in the flyover. Yep. So... And just knowing that this film had an extra eight months <laughs> to kind of... $200 million of, yeah. budget, by the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then again, Justice League had 350 and they couldn't get a mustache eye. So, sure. <laughs> I had no problem with the mustache, personally, but I know that people did... Um, so just just a sidebar. I no, watched this movie. Yeah. That's what the Bizzle Cast is all about, by the way. Is sidebars. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Justice League on my birthday two weeks ago, oh, and cool. the hotel we hotel we were staying in yeah. um, had it as part of the in house movie, and I was like, uh, I don't want to go to SeaWorld today. I want to order room service, and yeah. I want to fucking watch Justice League. Yeah. Yes. 
and the and it was like on a like high def TV, so it wasn't a cinema Mm -hmm. screen. It it actually looks worse on a high def screen than it did at the cinema. But it's only the one scene. It's only the one scene at the beginning with the mobile phone. Oh, oh, you're just talking about the mustache. Um, yeah, the oh, other the other Justice League scene. Come on, um, come on. I know I had to Henry Cavill seems like the kind of guy who has to shave every three hours, anyways. Like, who fucking cares? That's you know true. That's true. But and yeah, he's so likable in his this. time in that movie. Okay, I'm, we're going on a full sidebar here. Henry Cavill <laughs> in the Justice League is one of an, okay. The number one reason why the Justice League is underrated is Diana Prince. Every time yeah. Gal Gadot is on screen, she is magnetic. And every time she's on screen with Ben Affleck, they have unbelievable, just personal yeah. actor chemistry with one another. Yeah. Okay, I don't care what anyone says. I didn't want, I didn't want Ben Affleck as Batman. I didn't love Batman v Superman, but, but I agree that he's a cool Batman when he's into it, and she definitely gets him into it. Go ahead. Why? This is what I would love to know. So I have nothing against Ben Affleck. I don't understand why people didn't want Ben Affleck as Batman. What is it about him that they wouldn't want anyone? Name anybody, they would complain. They would complain. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't. I mean, women. Women (laughs) were complaining about Gal Gadot before they knew who she was because she was a skinny bitch and she wasn't full bodied enough to be Wonder Woman. And Britney. Brittany admitted as much on our podcast, and we had a good talk about it. And you know, she was like, "I felt so bad right. later about it." I was like, "Don't you shouldn't feel bad." Like Hollywood casts the wrong people all the time for these all things. All the time, yeah. But they, yeah. but she's from the fucking Israeli army. Like she just had to put on thirty pounds. Like no big deal, you know. Like yeah, she can totally handle it. Like say yeah. what? Look, and I think this applies to Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther like Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman, at no point when you can see their face and they're fighting, do you ever not believe that they can handle what they're actually doing? If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's no moment where you're like, oh, Gal Gadot is just looking sexy here and not really blah, blah, blah. No. She is, if anything, she's holding back the whole movie and that's what makes it great. And he's holding back the whole movie. Mm. Again, you know, I mean, it, it's a classic Joseph Campbell type story with Black Panther, even though it's such a non-traditional setting about him not re- yeah. reaching his full potential until he's almost dead and his kingdom is almost gone. Right. And Diana doesn't reach her full potential until the love of her life is dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And until she thinks all of her friends are dead or almost dead in the, in the world that she loves is gone. Right. I mean, this is a, this is yeah. a comic book movie trope, which keeps applying. And dude, this is the next question, which is does black Panther, like Thor Ragnarok did not feel enough like a comic book movie to me, but not for the right reasons. Mm. Black Panther yeah. didn't feel a lot like a comic book movie for me, but for the right reasons. And by for the, the way, yeah. by the way, Black Panther, not only did Black Panther have a bigger budget than Thor Ragnarok, but Black oh. Panther with inflation had a bigger budget than the Avengers in 2012. So what? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. 200 million to 220, oh. but it's six years ago. So with inflation, it's probably yeah, about the same. Inflation. Yeah. Yeah, 
I think a lot of people forget about inflation. That's what I kind of, yeah, find interesting oh. when we look at figures yeah. and money and like, was it success? Was it a flop? And I think <laughs> this, I promise this is the last time I talk about Justice League. But like, Justice Dude, League. Don't stop talking about Justice the, League. I love Justice League. Come on. The budget was 300 and it made well, like the, these budgets are under 700. These budgets so are me, hard to, I, yeah. I don't think that's a flop because it made twice its but like it made its money back like twice. You know how much merchandise they're that's selling? Not a flop. And yeah, merchandise. And then you look at you know, it only made you know, just under seven hundred million. So there's a whole crowd of people who didn't see it at the movies, who are going to see it when it comes out on Blu ray and D V D and digital. Yeah. So guess what? There's a whole and like if I remember rightly and I actually read this lately, Wonder Woman had one of the biggest Blu-ray and digital ever. sales Dude, I was ever. just talking about this with my dad. <laughs> she's, she's had the biggest Blu-ray like initial release of any comic book movie ever. Ever. Yeah. And People say, oh, Wonder Woman's not rewatchable man. because it's too long and the last blah, 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 blah. I said, no. I said this at the time. I was like, no, people are going to be watching this on TV and DVD for years to come. No, I, I well, thought. You should already know this. Um, the It premiered on HBO this week. And yeah, I, I read that, that the, the ratings were like, <laughs> like crazy out of this world. Because good. in Donald Trump world, in Bibi Netanyahu world, <laughs> who does not want to watch this you know like i mean and this is the thing about black panther and wonder woman man it's like how how does anyone follow these two stories and like yes wonder woman is way more of a traditional origin story than the black panther movie where he's already established on purpose and that was smart that they did that but like I actually am like more excited for the new Ant-Man movie than I, I didn't really like the first Ant-Man movie. I'm glad they're just really? jumping. Nah. And I love Paul Rudd. I love a lot of those wow. characters, but it okay. was just, it was the same Marvel stuff for me. That's the thing, man. Wow. I just, I think, I think since Joss Whedon left in early 2015, that the, the movies just mm. haven't been as good. And I was waiting yeah. for Black Panther to come. I knew that Black Panther yeah. was going to be something special, and it seemed like they were going to let Ryan Coogler do what he wanted. But mm. I think if if you just ignore the dollar signs, I think Marvel needed this after Wonder Woman because I think oh, yeah, Wonder Woman definitely. threw the gauntlet down. <laughs> no yeah. pun intended. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of game changing uh, superhero characters, and, and how yeah. how interesting that both films used that um the um w stance i loved that mm. like i know it's not connected but i just love that both films have the the arms you know the crossed arms the as crossed the arms. stance i yeah. i loved that it made me just continually smile and keep appreciating this film so okay so there were a number of films that were directly uh, given tribute to in Black Panther, and some yeah. which maybe less directly. 
The car chase scene was definitely a nod to The Matrix Reloaded. I don't care what anybody says. You can just listen to the music during the Black Panther scene with the slow motion and the cars flipping and stuff like that. It sounds exactly (laughs) like the first two Matrix movies uh, with the car scene. I mean, and... Ludovic Gordson, who did uh, the uh, score, I mean, people, everyone's talking about, oh, the hip hop, you know, soundtrack by Kendrick Lamar. Like, that's great. They didn't use that much of it in the movie. It was mostly Ludovic Mm. Gordson who did the score for Creed, which most people, including people who claim Rocky is the best sports movie ever, uh, many of them say Creed is as good or better than the original Rocky, even though it's, you know, Mm. Rocky 7 or whatever. Uh, mm. And if you didn't know that Ryan Coogler, and this would be, this would be something I want to talk about with you. I don't know if you saw Creed, but like, yeah, even did, if you yeah. didn't see Fruitvale Station, I know the I boxing have, yeah. movie thing in Rocky is like a very American thing. But like, if you couldn't yeah. see the talent of both Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler and Tessa Thompson in that mm. film, then you don't know what you're watching. Yeah, definitely, I agree with you a hundred percent on that even like Fruitvale Station mm. um, I think I saw that the same year as Dope do you remember Dope? yep I do and just loved those movies so much mm-hmm. and yeah Creed like I'm not a sports person clearly um, but I still enjoyed it as a film and just performances are amazing. And apparently they're doing another one. Oh yeah. Creed two is coming out at the end of this yeah. year. Crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, you know, in Creed, the, not the main championship fight, but the first mm-hmm. big fight that he wins sort of in the middle of the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before Rocky gets sick mm-hmm. against the guy that looks like Blake Griffin a little bit. He's like kind of a light skinned black guy with blonde hair in there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, it's like yeah. the first big fight that he wins that puts him on the map, mm-hmm. um, and then and then you know that gets the news gets to pretty Ricky or whatever, and they challenge him <laughs> to the fight. Yeah, Th- that four minutes is a single shot on the camera. Now, yeah. in Black Panther, the action scene in the South Korea casino backroom casino, it was not a true one shot in the sense of not switching cameras. But, but felt, he yeah. channeled that so well. Yeah. It felt like Children of Men a little bit to me. Um, See, I got I got Kill Bill vibes. Yeah, Kill Bill. Yep. Especially. Could you talk like, about just the action a little bit in general and how it was filmed and how it was executed? Yeah, it was amazing for starters. <laughs> um, I think because we're used to seeing. Marvel action with comedy, quippy one-liners as they jokingly, you know, punch someone into the floor. Like it's just that kind of – and I'm just more thinking about Thor Ragnarok as I say that. This action was – it felt real and the stakes felt real. Um because there's the big scale action like the casino scene, um, the car chase scene, but then you've got small, smaller scale action like the challenges, both challenges 
and you've got the final battle, which I don't count as a big action scene. <laughs> they're they're really tightly controlled, mm-hmm. and it feels like a lot of thought went into every single shot. Every single frame was well thought out, well executed. And like, there are a couple of things that stick out. Like when the, uh, when the vibranium completely destroys the car. Oh my God. And she skids down just in the seat and steering wheel. Like that was a comedic moment. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't lingered upon for too long. There was the appropriate time to allow humor, but not take you out of the importance of this scene. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then looking at the smaller ones Mm -hmm. uh, with the challenges, it, it, it felt real. And, you know, it should but it really felt you could feel the stakes, especially in the second one where it's Killmonger versus T'Challa. You could feel the stakes. And one of my favorite things in that scene is, and I can't remember her name again. I'm kicking myself is the head warrior standing there with her spear her eyes are just welling with tears. Okoye. As Her name is Okoye. She, that's yeah. it. As she has to stand there and watch this and can't intervene because of her loyalty and dedication to her country and to the throne. And there's, it's not spoken, it's not discussed until a couple of scenes later. But it's just so, like, all this stuff happens in the background. I think Forrest Whitaker, I don't know. I'm not a massive fan of him. So when he died, I didn't really <laughs> go, oh, yeah, I'm He's upset. a love-hate guy, like, I, I just kind of went, I just kind of went, okay, he's dead, cool. Um, you've, you've not seen Last King of Scotland where he plays I have, yeah, Idi yeah. Amin. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. like... I don't know. I I like his like I have. I don't not like him, but I don't have like a yeah Forrest Whitaker thing. So well, you also you don't love think, Rogue One. You know, fans of Rogue One love yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Sure. People who don't love Rogue One are like, eh, <laughs> it's Forrest Whitaker, whatever. Um, by the way, I just want to point Take out him. the guy you were talking about from the other tribe, Mbaku, is played by Winston Duke, yes. who's a young actor who hasn't done almost anything, but he's already credited <laughs> for Infinity War, as is almost he? every single major, spoiler alert, every single major Black Panther character that's still alive is in Infinity War, which should tell you exactly oh. where this Marvel Universe is going going he has such an amazing career ahead of him he really got me in this movie he's hilarious he's hilarious you think he's just a buffoon in the beginning and he's hilarious and then complete turnaround dude there was major braveheart vikings vibes in this movie with the clans challenging each other and the humor like it really in a good way i love the show vikings i love braveheart it felt like the old like medieval clans in a lot of ways which i think is going to help attract white viewers who are used to seeing game of thrones and stuff like that i think we'll tap into it go ahead 
when we found out that he was that he had you know basically had T'Challa brought to him yeah he saved and him yeah for lack of better words literally put him on ice yep um, it like he let you know T'Challa's mum and sister beg like for assistance like they were desperate mm-hmm. and just like he didn't make a big song and dance about it that he had them there was no like oh well guess what guess who's in my basement like it was just come with me and it it just spoke just so much about his character and I really loved I loved his character I admit when he started barking like a dog when Martin Freeman was talking I was a bit like, oh, no, here we go. But this is the reclamation. This is and Africans saying, this is Africans and African-Americans saying, if we want to have a tribe based on apes and bark like apes, we're going to do it because it's our fucking yeah. movie. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like Jews making Jewish jokes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, M'Baku, you might you probably know this, in the comics, is known as Man Ape. Mm. Yeah. He's a villain known as Man Ape, which well, was somewhat racist yeah. in the '60s by today's standards, and so they reclaimed it by making their and totem apes. Yeah, and it became a joke. By the way, they just wanted Martin Freeman to shut the fuck up. They only did yeah. it for the white guy who sh- was talking at a place. By the way, you know. Yeah, and true. maybe this is going to rub some people the wrong way. You know, I yeah. mean, the same well, way. When, yeah, when it sorry. started, it did. But when the scene, as the scene progressed, I understood it and went, okay, cool. We good. Okay. But like, isn't it interesting that mm. the, with this film, like, I guess the main, the main focus of Killmonger is oh, he's, t- he's got, we'll kind of have spies in every country in the world and Killmonger wants to send them weapons so they can infiltrate and take over everyone else and isn't it interesting that that's how some people actually think about black people except the reason for so many horrible horrifying african-led dictatorships over the last 50 to 60 years is specifically what Felakuti and most progressive black people call colonial mentality, which is they learned the wrong lessons from their white masters in learning Mm. how to divide and conquer and turn different ethnic groups against each other and try and take over neighbors and so forth. And so they they did make a colonialist joke at one point, which I loved, but the colonial mentality was definitely what Killmonger was tapping into and which identified his pathos and why he broke my heart. Like no villain in a blockbuster movie has broken my heart, but I'm Mm. not surprised because I worship the ground Michael B. Jordan walks on because I've never seen him in anything since he was a nine-year-old in The Wire where it hasn't made me cry when he hits that situation and he starts crying. If Michael B. Jordan starts crying, you know, since 10-year-old Michael B. Jordan until now, I start crying. And it's never happened with Loki, and it's not—it's not Mm. Tom Hiddleston's fault. It's just the way they've portrayed Loki as kind of you know in a really goofy universe. 
Um, and so yeah, I yeah. do think, to go back to what I was saying, this is the most subtle and interesting villain in any comic book movie we've seen in terms of a modernist viewpoint. And so I don't want to judge between the comic book movies because all of the various comics have had cool and bad villains at different points. But in terms of a realistic antagonist that you don't really want to root against, but they keep giving you reasons Mm. to, I don't know. (laughs) I'll throw this to you. Who's ahead of Michael B. Jordan as, um, you know, Eric Killmonger. Uh, the Dark Elves in Thor The Dark World? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm totally joking. <laughs> if, the you answer said, if you had no. said the elves in Lord of the Rings, I would have given you major credit because the elves are borderline <laughs> bad guys in Lord of the Rings. They are assholes yeah. and they don't do they shit. Are. So I thought that's They're where you were dicks. going. But you said Thor no. The Dark World. Yeah, that no. movie was terrible. <laughs> But, but yeah, uh, no, definitely the best yeah. one. If if I could just stitch together the Thor stuff with Stellan Skarsgård and Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings and and <laughs> Tom Hiddleston and you know and uh, uh, Rene Russo and and so forth, that would be a decent movie. The Dark yeah, Elves part of that movie is what's so horrible, and so I think yeah. you know again this is the same thing. It's like. Is there a difference between a movie that is just mediocre to bad throughout and a movie that has really good parts and really bad parts? I don't know mm. which is worse. Well, luckily, with this movie, we're not in that position to have to no. make that judgment. Uh, can I bring bring up really quickly, though, and then we'll head towards the wrap-up, Letitia yeah. Wright, who played Shuri, his sister? <sighs> This movie had so much gravitas coming into it. I wasn't worried Mm. about racism with this movie. I was worried about an overabundance of gravitas. But I knew Kugler and his sense of humor in Creed, where Rocky (laughs) and or you know Adonis would make jokes in the least appropriate times to break the tension, which is totally from the Joss Whedon handbook. And why the, the main reason I love Whedon is for better or worse. He makes the jokes when it's the least appropriate time. And I think that's a very human thing to do. And so when Shuri started immediately making jokes, even though she was the youngest and the smartest, but I also think she had a sense that things were going bad, you know? She wasn't Mm. totally naive. Um, I just, I had heard that people were saying, this is the next big star. Um, and by the way, not mm-hmm. only is she Infinity yeah. War, she's a major character in, Re- in Ready Player One, which is going to be a oh, huge wow. okay. movie. Because I've read the book and I know Steven Spielberg. And I don't know if it's going to be a good movie, but I've read the book and I know Steven Spielberg. It's going to be a big fucking deal. Um, mm. and-, and Shuri becomes the Black Panther in the book at some point. I thought her sense of humor, and I heard there was a middle finger, it was perfect that it was her. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Was her, even though she I, didn't fight till the end, did, did you find her to be like overpowered in terms of like her brains? No. Well, do you know what I originally thought when it started and she was, and she had the earpiece and she was showing him the new suit and all of the tech. I was James like, Bond. Oh, James Bond. So yeah. they've made her a DC TV female yeah. character. She's the oh, Felicity. No. I thought like she would she's be the, C or whatever. The, who's the who's the person in James Bond? C or 
Oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got much got, more of a James I Bond I got, thing. like, um, mm. you know, Felicity, Caitlin. Okay, so vibes. you went into this pretty fresh in terms of the yeah, characters. Yeah. That's cool. Well, because I knew Shuri I, from the comics was going to be a humongous deal. So I, I wonder if that no, would have colored what, my perception of her. No, what I thought was is that she was moved from a major character to a no. Felicity Caitlin S character God who would just us. be there to go, oh, your God next mission us. is oh. this. And I was like, no, what are you doing? And then it all got flipped on its head. Can I, can I take a quick tangent here and then we'll wrap up? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because I feel like the Black Panther thing, we could actually maybe do a series on this. We have so so much yeah. to talk about we didn't even deal with. I know. I know you love the movie. I love the movie. <laughs> you know, it's hard because you get, you know, you get fixated on the things you really loved, which are a lot of things. And so, you know, it's hard to um it's hard to talk about. It is therapeutic though, you know. I hope, Yeah, yeah. I don't you sometimes it's like I almost feel bad for people. It's like if you don't have friends or the kind of friends after you see a movie like this to talk about it on like a deep level, like yeah, even if you enjoyed it, actually I'd feel worse for you if if you, if you enjoyed it. Right. Like I would feel super bad. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, um, shit, what were we talking about? I had a great sidebar and I totally fucking forgot. What would you, what were you just talking about? Uh, so we were talking about uh, how she was a CW. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, girl so, okay, all right. So this is a real didn't. sidebar, but we saved it till the okay. end. Star Trek, okay. Star Trek. Okay, I think the Star Trek <laughs> season was great, and I was not expecting okay. very much. It, it had ups and downs. The ending was not amazing. I am totally looking forward to giving this Star Trek series two to three seasons to reach full stride. I mean, if you've seen the first two seasons of Star Trek, the next generation, then you have to accept, or even the first two seasons of the original series, which only went three years, you have to accept that it takes some time to ramp up. And I love the characters and dude, the whole time, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about arrow. I'm like arrow, they need to put really? him on CBS All Access with blood and sex yeah. and fucking cursing and like, you know, like let the beast out, dude. Like they've got the guy. <laughs> like they have the arrow. It's everybody else around him that in the writing that brings that show down, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and it is CBS. They're doing it with Star Trek. They're selling their entire All Access package in this country yeah, based on show. Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah. Star Trek, which nobody cares about. Nobody saw Star Trek Beyond in this country. This series should be what? dead. I can't believe it. I'm thrilled. Oh. I am thrilled. People love oh, the new good. Star Trek series in this country. Okay, good. I was going to say, I've heard nothing but people loving it. What are you talking you about? Got, you should watch yeah, it. Now. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but, yeah, but Shuri was not that. <laughs> No, Shuri and I, was, yeah, was controlling I was, Shuri yeah. along with Lupita Nyong'o's Nakia were controlling most of the situation. Yeah, and I liked that. Even in the final battle, they weren't damsels in distress. No, that never. needed saving. That never like, was even close to happening in this movie. Are you yeah. kidding me? The women were yeah. rule, were dominating the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. 
But does but doesn't that make you nervous too at some level where it's like what do you mean? Uh, this is liberals being liberal again, you know? Like not worry you in terms of like they should make a different choice, but just worry you in terms of like like Wonder Woman had a very specific mythological comic reason why she was so powerful and her people were so powerful. But like yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think people are cool with it. Like the show Vikings, like the women are way more badass than the men in the show Vikings, and like it's somewhat based on historical reality. You know, like I, I do think people are opening up to this, which makes what's going on in this country with Trump and sexual predators and everything, you know, so much more perplexing. I actually mm. do think most people in this country, I honestly think sixty percent of America is mostly progressive but that's yeah. not how democracy works here the other 40% you know can 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 do so much and yeah. i haven't seen any other than the rotten tomatoes uh campaign i haven't seen a lot of negative press about black panther it looks like it's going to end up like a 97 98 for uh oh, for comic book so. movies which is crazy um, and okay. deserves every single Okay, so speaking of women, let's end on one big actor and one small actor, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, The big actor is Lupita, but first I want to mention Mm. Angela Bassett, who I have loved, loved, and had a crush on Angela Bassett since before I knew who she was and had a crush (laughs) on Angela Bassett. She is such a fucking badass. No matter Mm -hmm. what her role is, she's so strong in everything she's in. Contact was one of my favorite movies growing up, and she played the chief of staff to Bill fucking Clinton in Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, written by Carl Sagan. Amazing, realistic science fiction movie. Chief of staff, she was such a badass growing up. I watched that movie over and over again. I love her. I don't know if she was like a thing for... Uh, Yeah. Do you want to know what one of my favorite Mm. movies is of all time? How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. Angela Bassett and Whoopi <laughs> yeah. was like I the best Whoopi. combo. I and I still watch that movie to this date because she is incredible. Like, just incredible. And unfortunately, she was wasted in, in Green Lantern. Poor woman. Well, it's just a movie. It's not eight years of a television yeah. show. That's True. the great thing about being a film actor and actress, right? It's like you can literally well, be in five geez. terrible movies like Ryan Reynolds I, and then rehab your career. <laughs> I feel like she's really lifted um, American Horror Story since she's joined. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't. I can't uh, comment on okay. that, but I would she totally is, believe it. She's phenomenal I mean, in look, those shows. She looks like the mother of a king. Yeah, and I love that her week kept changing. Oh, I was living. I was like, every time she had a different colored wig and they went to the snow and the top half of But they made jokes about the wigs. Was snow. They're all wearing wigs. Just like living for her. Dude, I'm telling you, in real Africa, in real today, women are like Lupita and like um, uh, Denai Gurira, the wigs. They all shave their heads and they get wigs. It's like a real thing in Africa. So Love I thought that was so hilarious that they worked that in to the movie. And so I don't know if that was just sloppy editing in terms of her different wigs, but the fact that they just brought it up as like a gag and she took out a guy with her wig was great. It was so yeah. funny. 
But <laughs> the other woman I wanted to end with is, I think she's already, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, like the first woman or one of the first women of cinema in America, even though she's an English African lady, Lupita Nyong'o is one of the most beloved figures. Mm. And it was her testimony, public testimony against Harvey Weinstein that ultimately tanked him for good. I mean, he was already very much fucked and on life support for good reason. But when she came out and then he specifically having not gone after back anybody else until Lupita and then went after her when she said, you know, what happened to her and it sounds like a perverted lunatic, which of course he is. That was it. Um, She's also won an Oscar. She's one of the youngest Oscar winners of all time, um, playing an American slave from the South in the 1850s when she's an English African lady um, in a role that bordered on torture porn, but she made just amazing, um, even though I could never watch that movie again in, t- in 12 Years a Slave. Pita Nyong'o has been doing tons of projects for Disney. She's the voice of Maz Kanada. She did an amazing um, uh like PG movie for them about this chess champion from the slums of Uganda. And she played the mom. Oh, I kid. love that movie. It was so good. I forget the name. It was so yeah. good. Oh, but you know what? As good as she was, David Oyelowo as the uh, coach, as the, the minister and the coach of the chess team of these kids mm. was just spectacular. And by the way, yeah. if you're at all interested in Africa and I was telling you about Botswana, they made a movie about the romance behind Botswana, which was between the the man who would be king and a noble British lady um, in like the fifties, essentially. And they both were outcast from their nobilities for falling in love with each other. This is a true story. And then eventually, they let him rule Botswana as the democratically elected king. And she became, as a white woman, like a, a saint in that country. Like when I arrived there, I didn't know the story. Like she's, her humanitarian ventures are unbelievable. Uh, it's called A United Kingdom, starring David Oyelowo's from early last year. Kind of slipped between the cracks. Amazing true story about a country, Botswana, its origins, which definitely informed uh, this mm. movie. And so I guess I'll leave. I'll leave with this question, man, which is, you know, I. <sighs> Again, as someone who's had a lot of exposure to Africa, been to a lot of places in Africa, how does Africa come across in this movie? Is there a danger? Let me pose it a little bit more critically. Is there a danger that people will say, oh, this is just a made-up version of Africa, so none of these things can possibly be true about the continent, right? Um, Would be, I guess, my concern, but it seems like it's doing more good than than ill. Yeah, um... I think definitely more good than harm. Um, I've never really considered going to Africa at any point in my life for any reason. I don't have a reason to go there or a desire or want to go there. Yes, you do. Um, But after this film, yeah. It definitely piqued my interest. You've got to go to South Africa, man. Cape Town and then a safari, you will lose your mind. I mean, town safari, you'll lose your fucking mind. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. I'm keen to, yeah, I don't know. South 
Africans in Australia. <laughs> um, Not white South uh, Africans. Fuck white South Africans. Yeah. Or yeah. the Boers, at least. Yeah, really I said bad. it. That's right, people. I said it on the podcast. That's me, not <laughs> Alistair. Fuck you. You shouldn't have been there in the first place, but if you're there now, learn to live in peace. You know, That's the problem. Nelson Mandela was the one tying everything together. I remember being there in 03, 04, 05, when people knew Mandela was only living for a few more years, and they're like, dude, when Mandela dies, it is all fucking over. Yeah. The fact that it hasn't fallen apart completely in the meantime is, is a good sign. Um, but you have the new nouveau riche black people who just got rich in the last 20 years. And then you have the, the old rich white people, you know, who've been there for 200 years. It's, uh, it's a volatile situation, but I don't know. I thought they dealt with colonialist themes pretty well and making the circus a psycho certainly helped. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I, I agree with the point you brought up is that like he wanted to be one of the locals, but was, you know, the person who was, you know, ripping them off, essentially. Oh, but man, I didn't, I, I, I fucking kept talking as always, and then I'll let you off the hook. I specifically oh, asked fine. you about Lupita. I wanted to hear your uh, interpretation of her performance in this movie, because it was very different. <laughs> um, I, I, she's what came to mind when you were talking about different, um, different shades of black in this movie, different color palettes. She's probably the first thing that came to mind in that scene where she was talking with T'Challa on the cliffs. Um, it was very noticeable, the shades there. I mean, she's from Kenya. Chadwick is yeah, light-skinned. Yeah. She's from fucking yeah. Kenya, yeah. Yeah, and you could you could see that. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's very light skinned. He's actually very uh, self conscious about it. I, I mean, you knowing Chadwick, I'm not surprised by this information. But he's you know he it's it's tough because he doesn't want to play le- even more light skinned black characters too black. But you know, but vice yeah. versa. It's God, what a burden. White people never have to deal with this <laughs> fucking bullshit. Yeah, I I enjoyed her performance. I thought. She was definitely strong, definitely strong female character. Yeah, but, she, liked, but she had weaknesses, which I really liked. I mean, as great yeah. as Okoye was as the badass bodyguard, her arc yeah. was pretty predictable. I, I didn't I, know where Lupita was going oh. at certain points, and so I, to me, that was a necessary character. I liked that she, like, when it came up to the whole, like, when he said, I want you to stay here, I'm king now. And she was like, no, that is not my life. That I can't stay here in all this richness and power while I know there's people out there suffering. It's not fair and it's not right. And they were both and, wrong and they were both right. And in the end, they got yeah. both what they wanted. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. She she realized that she was wrong and that she did want to be with him, and he realized yeah. that for both their relationship and the good of humanity, that he needed to reach out the kingdom. I mean, it is mm. brilliant writing what they did in this yeah. movie. 
how they got from A to B in just over two hours. And so let's end, let's put our postscript with, because I could keep you here forever on this. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm almost obsessive with picking people's minds, especially who are into film about this movie, because again, you know, I've been leading up to this for many, many years of my life. It doesn't mean that I love everything about it. I'm certainly critical of some small, mostly small parts of it. Um, but nothing that I really care to talk about at this point. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, but just, just to get, to get that perspective. So we got two great post credit scenes, one of which him talking to the UN and old white people being dumb as shit as always, which was fantastic where he gave this really subtle and compassionate speech oh, about humanity um, coming together and white people are like, yes, but what's some third world country from Africa going to do about this? I was just like, oh, you motherfucker, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, um, that was a very like taking aim at Trump speech, I felt, um, particularly when he said in times like these, we... Um, we shouldn't be building walls. We should be coming together and connecting. I was like, whoa, definite shot at Trump. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. There's a few more clips maybe I'll release later, but this was the bulk bulk of the series, dude. Um, and uh, I have a couple other Black Panther ones, but I'm, I think I'm going to start doing some new ones. But these two originals with my commentary, and especially this, especially this one with Alistair, I thought was great, and I thought the conversation held up great. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, more comment, more stuff coming to you soon. Again, was not expecting to be doing a lot of comic books or Star Wars uh, starting in the next couple months as I do Bizzlecast 2.0. But when it comes to things like Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman and so forth, I, I got to cover it because it checks off so many boxes outside of the comic book uh, boxes, um, obviously. So hope you love the movie as much as we did. Hope you enjoyed the commentary. Coming back at you soon. May the force be with you, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.